Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. He went through Jericho, that famous Old Testament city, uh, where the walls came tumbling down. The first major city that they entered and captured as they took hold of the land of Canaan. And he goes through Jericho on the way to Jerusalem. And on the road, he sees, according to Matthew's Gospel, two men who are blind. Now, Mark's Gospel focuses on one of them, Bartimaeus. And he becomes, by God's grace, a man of faith. And a wonderful example for us of how God draws near to people, changes them, and gives them life and hope and compassion. So he's on his way to Jerusalem. He sees... Bartimaeus and his friend there and here they are in a hopeless position in a helpless position they are on the outskirts of the city presumably they've been ostracized they've been rejected by the community by society they are forced to the margins they are poverty stricken they are deprived there's no welfare state to help them. Really, you wonder what hope they have at all. We don't know how long Bartimaeus has been in the situation. We don't know whether he is born from birth. We don't know how long he's been begging, having to depend on others for food and sustenance. And we see that many of the crowd with Jesus rebuke him. Be quiet, stay away from Jesus. They think perhaps that he is not good enough, that he is too dishevelled. They don't want to be associated with this man. They are embarrassed to be with him. And so they rebuke him, just as the crowd had rebuked those who brought children to Jesus. Well, this man, Bartimaeus, is also rebuked by the crowd. But thankfully, we see that Jesus is all compassion that he has a love which is divine and which is wonderful. And he approaches the man. What do you want me to do for you? It says in verse 51, how can I help you? Wonderful words there. He doesn't reject him. He doesn't throw him to the margins of the crowd. But he comes near to him. How can I help him? What can I do to help you? And once again, we see that Jesus' desire and his heart is always to help those who are vulnerable and those who are needy. We see that he has compassion on the weak. Just as it says in Isaiah 61, that wonderful pro uh, promise and prophecy of the one who would bind up 
the brokenhearted and proclaim freedom for the captives. And this is wonderful news to know that we have such a saviour, a compassionate saviour. Because there are times when we know that we are broken. We might be broken because of our circumstances. We might be broken hearted. You might be broken as we are humbled, as we see us, as we really are, as we see our hearts. Perhaps we do something or say something or we become aware of something in our lives. That humbles us and might break us. That we see the holiness of God and we are broken as we see the holiness of God and our own sinfulness. And so how good news, how much good news it is to know that our God is a God of compassion and that we have a saviour who does not reject those who come to him, but whose heart breaks for them. And he feels pity for this man and wants to help him. And even more than that, he not only sympathises with him, he not only empathises with him, but he helps him in the most remarkable way. Go, he says, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. The wonderful truth about the Lord Jesus is he's not, not only able to sympathise, but he actually can help us. We sometimes can sympathise and empathise with people, but we can't often do things to change a situation. It's outside of our control. But the Lord Jesus here shows that he has the power to sympathise and to transform miraculously this man's situation. And so he is given sight before he was blind, but now he can see he was lost, but he's been found. Well, what can we learn from Bartimaeus and this wonderful event? Well, the first thing is the importance of faith, the necessity of faith. Your faith has healed you, Jesus says in verse 52. Now, there is something conditional. We can't escape that fact that he is not automatically changed or healed, but that Jesus notices the man's faith that cause and effect that it is because of his faith he is healed that faith triggers a response in jesus moves jesus and we see this in all the other examples of miracles as well your faith has healed you your faith has saved you because of such faith jesus works and responds in resp as because of a person's faith now, it's really important that we realise this because it's true on a wider spiritual sense as well. You see, not everyone is saved spiritually. Not everyone is forgiven. Not everyone will go to heaven and be delivered from judgment and hell and condemnation. Not everyone will have everlasting life in Jesus' presence. It is by faith we are saved. It is by faith we are healed. Faith is crucial. Faith is a necessity. It is, it is a condition of healing and salvation. We won't be forgiven. We won't know eternal life. We won't go to heaven without faith. By faith we are justified freely. And so God looks and sees faith. But before we can start to 
feel proud because of any faith that we might have or before we can start to boast in it or think that somehow we we've done something uh, to to earn god's favor remember that faith ultimately comes from god we only have faith because god in his grace has given us the holy spirit to enable us to see and understand god and to see our need for god and to cry out to him for help faith ultimately is a result of god's work in our life uh, and so we can't boast or or think that somehow we are good if we have faith if we have faith it is by god's grace and mercy it is god's grace that has revealed these things to us and opened our eyes in order to be able to place our faith in them but faith nevertheless is crucial for salvation just as we are told here by faith being a child of a Christian does not make you a Christian yourself. Your parents, your grandparents might have been Christians. doesn't mean that you are automatically a Christian. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian, or even listening to a service on YouTube doesn't make you a Christian. Being brought up in a Christian culture or a, a Christian country, that doesn't automatically make you a Christian. I don't know what you ticked in the census form, but just the fact that you ticked the Christian box there doesn't make you a Christian. The fact that you consider or call yourself a Christian doesn't make you a Christian. In that census form, you could fill it in on behalf of the household, your wife, your children. But becoming a Christian is not something you, that can be done for you. Because your parent is a Christian doesn't mean that you're a Christian. You see, we need personal faith. We need to believe in Jesus ourselves. We need to confess our own sins, repent to him personally. We need to pray to him ourselves and ask him to forgive our sins and to save us personally. God wants to know you he wants to know you as an individual he wants to see your personal and individual faith that is why he saves you in order to know you and so we can't say well i'm a christian because of my background or my personality or, or my nationality we can't be saved we cannot be forgiven without personal faith now there's a significant contrast in the next chapter in chapter 11 uh, from verse 12 onwards this is after jesus has entered jerusalem so he heals bartimaeus and then we have zacchaeus according to luke's gospel being made a friend of jesus then on the sunday he enters jerusalem that evening he returns to bethany and he sleeps there overnight and he then on the monday morning goes back to jerusalem and he notices on the road a fig tree and he approaches the fig tree and he sees that the fig tree has no fruit. And he realises that the fig tree is a symbol and a picture, a vivid picture of the lack of faith that he'd seen in Israel. He mentioned earlier in the year in Luke chapter 13 verse 7 how for three years I've been coming to look for fruit on the fig tree and haven't found any. As Jesus sees this fig tree on the way back to jerusalem and sees the lack of fruit he's reminded of the religious elite in israel 
the scribes, the teachers of the law, the, the priests, and how they did not accept him, how they rejected him. And there was no fruit, there was no love of God, there was no love for people, their neighbours, certainly for their enemies. There was a hard-heartedness, there was a cynicism and a scepticism, a rejection of the Lord Jesus. There was no faith. See, they had religiosity. They looked good on the outside. They had outward appearance. Uh, they, they kept the law in the sense that they lived uh, openly, outwardly more, um, moral lives. And yet they did not know God. They did not have faith in God. They did not love God, did not experience the love of God, and so didn't show that love in themselves. And so it is a vivid picture of the limitation and inadequacy of religion in itself. They kept rituals, they kept ceremonies, they ticked the boxes, and yet they did not have personal faith in God. And so the fig tree was cursed and it withered see the importance of faith the necessity of faith god doesn't want our offerings or sacrifices or ceremonies he doesn't want us to say well i will try my best he wants our heart he wants us to trust in him and to turn to him and to speak with him the second thing we see here is the object and the subject of faith i've mentioned hebrews 11 We'll be looking at Hebrews 11 after Easter and that famous verse, the definition of faith is being certain of what we do not see. Now, this, of course, was literally the case with Bartimaeus because of his blindness. He could not see Jesus, but he heard about him and he'd heard of his teaching and he might have been present. He might have heard Jesus's teaching. He might have heard of Jesus' miracles. He'd heard reports about Jesus. And he places his faith, not only the Jesus of Nazareth, but in who he describes as the son of David. This is ultimately the reason why he is saved. This is the reason why he is healed. Because God in his grace has opened his eyes to realise that Jesus not only is a man, He's not only a, the son of a carpenter, he's not only Jesus of Nazareth, but he is the son of David, which is a Old Testament phrase to describe the Christ, the Messiah. See, the son of David is the one that would be sent by God to establish an everlasting kingdom of peace and righteousness. He would be the saviour. He would be the Messiah. And so Bartimaeus has recognised that Jesus really is the son of David. He's the one sent this world to be the saviour. We don't know yet whether he's come to understand that he's even more than that. He is the son of God. He is Emmanuel, God with us. But he's recognised that Jesus is more than a teacher or a spiritual guide. He is not like the other prophets. But he is the son of David. He's the one sent by God. The fulfilment of all of the Old Testament promises. This is what uh, Bartimaeus understands. He is a culmination of all of the prophecies of the Old Testament. And so he places his faith in him. Of course he believes that he can heal him. 
Of course, he believes that he has the power and authority to heal him. And so he says, Rabbi, I want to see. But the faith that saves him, if you like, the faith that ultimately heals him, is a faith not only in the power of Jesus, but in the identity of Jesus. The subject of Bartimaeus's faith is Jesus himself as the son of David, as the one sent by God to be the saviour of the world. He's just outside Jericho. Jericho was also famous because that's where Rahab lived. You remember Rahab, uh, who helped the spies and uh, how she lived. But she'd heard reports about the God of Israel as well. And by grace, she'd come to recognise that the God of Israel is the true and living God. She had not seen God, but she'd heard about him. And she placed her faith in God herself. Her eyes were opened. We see in Bartimaeus, just as we see in Rahab, the power of God in someone's heart. The most wonderful miracle in Bartimaeus's life was not the miracle that he came to see, but the miracle that he came to see who Jesus is, that he recognised the glory of the Lord Jesus. On that day of the Lord, when we'll have to stand before Jesus in judgment, the key question will be, have you recognised Jesus? Have you placed your faith, not in an unknown God, not in your own ability, on your own religion, in your own efforts. But have you placed your faith in Jesus and recognised him as your saviour? Have your eyes been opened? Have you seen and recognised Jesus for who he truly is? The third thing we learn about faith here is the tone of faith. The nature of faith. What faith sounds like and what faith looks like. See, Bartimaeus was humbled, and so he comes before Jesus. He doesn't make huge demands, saying, look how great I am, or look how worthy I am. But he cries out for mercy. Have mercy on me. He's been humbled by his circumstances. For years, presumably, he's been in this situation, and we don't know what else he's tried. Maybe he's been to the various pools and the rivers and the streams, hoping that he would be cleansed as Naaman was cleansed, that he would be miraculously healed as well. Perhaps he's prayed incessantly. Maybe he's fasted. He's tried all sorts of different things. He's humbled. He realises that all of his efforts so far have come to nothing. He realises that he can't change his own situation. He's reliant on others. He has to beg. And so there is no sense of entitlement. He's been humble and so he comes before Jesus and humbly asks for mercy and grace. Will you please help me? I want to see. I want help. Will you please come and bless me? The crowd reject him. The crowd rebuke him. Society has rejected him. And so he doesn't feel worthy, he doesn't feel good enough, but he comes before Jesus. Will you please help me in my situation? And this is the tone of faith. 
Faith does not boast in ourselves. Faith is not proud, thinking that we are worthy of anything. One of the marks of true faith is humility, realising that we don't deserve anything from God. As that wonderful hymn goes, and nothing uh, in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Becoming a Christian begins with a sense of humbling. It might be that we are humbled by our circumstances as we realise that there is nothing we can do to to save ourselves. We realise that we are limited. We are in a circumstance that we can't resolve. We can't lean on our own abilities, our own skills, our own strength. Perhaps you realise that God is holy and you've come to realise your sinfulness and you realise that you're a sinner that you have fallen short of God's glory. Perhaps you've done something that has revealed this in a very clear and dramatic way, but you've been humbled. A Christian is someone who realises that he doesn't deserve anything from God. We throw ourselves on the grace and mercy of God. Have mercy on me, he says. Help me even though I am not worthy. I wonder if you've come before God like Bartimaeus. I wonder if you've recognised who Jesus truly is. I wonder if you've placed your faith in him and in him alone, knowing that he is the saviour of the world, sent by God the Father to, to rescue and to help people just like you. Have you been broken? Have you become poor in spirit? Have you mourned because of your sinful condition? Have you mourned because of your limitations and your weakness? Have you become aware of the vastness of eternity and the vastness of of, of your life without God? Have you realised that you need God in your life? Or have you placed your faith in Jesus and in him alone? And the fourth thing we see is the boldness of faith. Bartimaeus is not put off by dissenting voices. The crowd rebuke him. We don't know exactly why they rebuke him. Perhaps he is dishevelled. Perhaps he doesn't look good enough to be associated with Jesus. Perhaps he stinks. Perhaps his clothing is dirty. He's not the sort of person that uh, the crowd would want Jesus to spend time with. Look at him. Perhaps he has a reputation, perhaps he's said things in the past that hasn't helped his situation. But it's obvious that this crowd think that he shouldn't draw near to Jesus and that Jesus should be kept away from him. And so just like the children, the crowd here tried to keep Jesus away from, from him, from Bartimaeus. But Bartimaeus is undeterred. And I love what it says in verse 48. He shouts all the more. The more that they rebuke him, the more he is told to stay away from Jesus, the more he wants to approach Jesus, and the more he cries out for mercy. In Pilgrim's Progress, at the beginning of his spiritual journey, that, that pilgrimage toward God, many people try to put him off. His wife, his family, his friends. Don't take it all so seriously. Don't take the word of God so literally. Don't worry about it. Forget about it. Just chill out a little bit. But he realises that he's heard the word of God. 
And so he needs to respond in trust and obedience. And so he begins that walk that eventually takes him to salvation. There are dissenting voices all around. But he continues. And Bartimaeus is the same. He is bold. And he boldly approaches God with confidence. He doesn't listen to the world. He doesn't listen to the crowd. He doesn't listen to what other people say. He only listens to Jesus and he approaches him. Maybe you are thinking of becoming a Christian yourself. Or maybe as you listen to this video, you are doing so at home because you haven't been to church for many months. Perhaps you are a backslidden Christian, fallen away from the Lord. And you want to return. You want to become a Christian. You want to continue as a Christian, perhaps. And there are people around you, dissenting voices. How could you become a Christian? Look at you. You can never live as a Christian. Look at what you look like. Look at how you speak. Look at the things you've done in the past. How can you be a Christian? Maybe you feel guilty because of things you've done and you think, how could I ever return to God? God would accept me. And so there is something even within you. There is an inner voice within you that is trying to hold you back. Remember, there is a spiritual enemy who doesn't want us to turn to God. Perhaps there are people who belittle or ridicule you because of faith. Church? Surely you don't need to go to church these days. You don't need to turn to Jesus. You don't need him in your life. And all of these voices are around you. Can I encourage you to cry out to God even more? Don't listen to the people around you. Don't listen to those dissenting voices. The Lord is calling you. The Lord is asking you to turn to him. To place your faith in him. And ultimately that is the only thing that matters. There's a book by Oz Skinner called The Audience of One. There's only one person we need to worry about. And that is God himself. Turn to him. Don't worry if there might be people around you. Even your husband or wife or your children or your neighbours or colleagues might give you a hard time. But God gives boldness and he gives confidence. And it's far better to know God in your life and to know eternal life and everlasting glory. And the blessings I promise you will be far more than anything you will lose in this world. And so remember then, Bartimaeus. He was told not to approach Jesus, but he shouted even more. And by faith, he was healed and transformed. And so Bartimaeus, by the wonderful grace of God, becomes a model of faith. This person who was begging on the roadside, outside Jericho, rejected by society, rebuked by the followers of Jesus even, and yet here he is now changed. He has faith by God's grace. He recognises the glory and the identity of Jesus. He humbly and, and um, lowly asks for God's mercy and grace, and he is transformed and healed by the power of God. Can I encourage you today to come to ask God to open your eyes that you might be healed, not physically necessarily, but spiritually, given forgiveness of sins, a relationship with God that will begin today and will continue forever and ever 
until it reaches its climax in heaven where you will see Jesus face to face and be with him forever and ever. Faith is not something which is unattainable. Come, ask God into your life. Confess your sins. Ask him to bless you and you will receive the life and the fullness of God and you will rejoice forevermore.